First John chapter 5. Father God, we just thank you right now for this offering today. We ask that you would take it and multiply it. God, use it for your glory and honor, we pray in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. First John chapter 5. We talked about the seed of God last week, which is the Word of God, which is, Jesus, of course, is the living Word, and we have the written Word, the Word of God, the seed, and we found out also that the people of God are the seed, and that is what the Lord has His eye upon. Tonight, we're going to talk about how we may know are assured of that we're saved. How we can know for sure we're saved. And it's connected with the seed of God also. <clears throat> so let's just look, let's read first, if we could, in 1 John 5. And then I'll ask you to pray for me that God will enable me to bring this tonight. But 1 John 5, 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, notice it says, is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It doesn't get any plainer than that. Okay? Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know that you have eternal life. Say with me that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now there's some people who claim that they can be saved and know God without Jesus. The Bible nowhere teaches that. It, it, that is heresy. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your awesome spirit today. I trust you, God, today to help me to bring this word, to deliver it, God. Thank you for the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost that's upon us. To bring this word in a way, God, that we can understand. 
and know and have assurance of our salvation. We thank you, God, for your awesome word and your awesome spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. <clears throat> if you would, please, as you sit down, just look over in First uh, John chapter 4, in the first few verses. It says, Beloved, be not every, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <clears throat> Beginning with this, I'd like to share something with you that maybe you're not aware of. I think you are, but we really don't think about it too often. And that's the fact that the early church already had false prophets it was dealing with. It already had false teachers, which means it had false doctrine. It had antichrist. All of that, the early church had to overcome. Today, in the church world, we have false prophets, false teachers, false doctrine, antichrist around us that teach things that sound good and sound right, but <clears throat> they're not truth. So in the light of that, then John is writing this epistle to the church, people who have already been born again of the water and the spirit. He's writing them that they may be assured of their salvation. Okay? Not only be assured of their salvation, but how to live the Christian life after they have become a Christian. And so tonight, in the midst of a world gone crazy with religion, we need to go to this epistle, and we need to study it to find out if we are truly saved or not. And if we can know that we're truly saved or not. If we can have an assurance tonight. And if we don't have the assurance tonight based on what the scripture says is essential for us. Then that means that we're not saved. Which in a sense is a good thing if you want to be saved. Because <clears throat> if, first of all, the problem a lot of times is, is people think they're saved and they're not saved. So if I find out I'm not saved tonight, then I'm going to find out what I really truly need to do to get saved. <clears throat> because everybody, just about everybody today, especially who goes to church, claims to be saved. But you need to understand that false doctrine, false teachers, false prophets, antichrist were in the world in John's day. They're in the world today. And the Bible says we are to overcome them. Which means, that means what? Let me put it in terms we understand. You got to fight them. <clears throat> you cannot accept everything that comes down the pike just because they claim to be a preacher or a church person. You have got, we have got to go back to the Word of God and find out 
what the true definition of a Christian is, how they get, you know, got saved, and how they live after they got saved. The epistle of John, <clears throat> is not so much written to people who are not saved. It's written to people who are saved <clears throat> for assurance of that salvation <clears throat> and also to know how to live for the Lord. Having said that, <clears throat> let's, let's look at the Word tonight. 1 John 5, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 1. <clears throat> Notice, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. First thing. If you're truly born of God, you are God-begotten. You And you are the seed of God. You are sons of God, children of God. Then, number one, you must believe that Jesus, and Jesus means God's Savior. <clears throat> if you don't believe that, you know, Jesus is God-Savior, you're not saved. You cannot be saved if you first don't believe that Jesus is God, the Savior. <clears throat> okay, you understand what I'm saying? He says, who shall believe that Jesus, and Jesus is the name of who? <clears throat> the Son of God. Jesus is the name of the Son of God. Now, if you look over here, let's see. Read a few more verses down. Verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Go to 1 John 5, verse 20. We know that the Son of God is come and hath given us understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. You must believe that Jesus is God according to the Scriptures in order to be saved. Now, so let's talk about some terms here. Son of God. Son of God, when you say Jesus is the Son of God, you're not just saying that He was a man. You are saying that He is God come in the flesh. To be the Son of God means you understand that the Spirit of God was inside of the man, the body, Christ Jesus. Okay? So that when you saw the Son of God, you didn't just see a man. You saw God come in the flesh or God manifest in the flesh. So the term Son of God is in reference to the deity and humanity of Jesus. Okay? Jesus' name means Savior. Some, some translate it God's Savior. But let's go over and look at something, please, in Hebrews 1. <clears throat> so to kind of give you a feel for where I'm going tonight, I'm going to teach you about who Jesus was. Then I'm going to teach you about how you get in Him. How you can know you're saved. <clears throat> First and foremost, you have to understand that He was God come in the flesh to be saved. And number two, you have to be born again. 
And we're going to talk about that tonight. And by the grace of God, if, if I can get this out, you're, you're going to really be blessed tonight. <clears throat> Hebrews 1, <clears throat> it says this in verse 4, Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus did not get his name from his mother. Mary called him Jesus, but he didn't get his name from his mother. He got his name from his father. So Jesus is God. He is the father come in flesh. He had a dual nature. He received his name by inheritance, which, need, which means the name of God, the name of the Father, is Jesus. So when I say Jesus tonight, or you say Jesus tonight, you're talking about the God-man. You're not talking about a second person in some fictitious Trinitarian doctrine. Jesus is not the second person. He didn't just come here to manifest one person. He didn't come to manifest just the Son, one person. He came to manifest the fullness of the Godhead. God come in flesh. And I will categorize say this. If you believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, three separate persons, you are in great, great error. Because when Jesus came, he came to manifest all the fullness of the Godhead was in him bodily. Okay? So if he received his name by inheritance, and his name is what? Jesus. That means the name of God is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. So Jesus is the God-man. Okay, go, go back to 1 John then. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read it to you again. Whosoever believeth that Jesus, or we're talking about God's Savior, is the Christ. It doesn't say he is a Christ. He says he is the Christ. Now, what's the difference? If you are, you know, there are a Christ, uh, Christ simply means anointed. So I'm looking at anointed body tonight. I'm looking at the Christos. I'm looking at the anointed body of Jesus. You are his body. But you are not the Christ. And what the difference is when you say he is the Christ, you are saying that he is God or deity come in flesh. You're saying that the Word, John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You're saying He is the Word. You're saying He is the Spirit of God embodied. You're, he's not just anointed by the Spirit. He is the Christ. He is the Spirit. He is the God. He is the Word. He is the Deity. So he's not just an anointed man, a Christ. He is the Christ. That's the difference. So you must believe, if you're truly begotten of God, that he is the Christ, that he is the Spirit of God, that he is deity, that he is God, that he is the Father, that he's not just anointed. 
If you don't believe that, you are not. According to the scripture, you're born of God when you believe that he is the Christ. Not just an anointed man. Are you here tonight? Okay. So we know that Son of God means that He's God come in the flesh. We know that He received by inheritance His name Jesus, which means God's Savior. We know, it, according to this scripture right here, He is the Christ, not just anointed, but He is the Spirit. And there's, Ephesians 4 says there's only one Spirit. You understand what we're trying to show you here? And as the Christ, as the anointed one, as the Messiah, which means anointed one, he was prophet, priest, and king. Which means this. Now, this is a very powerful, deep spiritual book. So you're going to have to pray for me to be able to preach it to you. And you're going to have to pray for yourself so you can hear it. Okay? As a prophet, he came to reveal salvation to man. If Jesus, if you don't understand that Jesus is the Christ, then you can't be saved because he's the only one that could reveal the way to get saved. As a prophet, he tells you what it takes to get saved. Okay. As a priest, he is the one that works that salvation or performs that work of salvation. And as king, he confers it to you. So you had three anointed theocratic offices in the Old Testament. Prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is the Christ. He's the prophet, the priest, and the king. The revealer of salvation. The one who performed the work of salvation. And the king who confers salvation. That's why it's important to understand who he is. If you don't know he's prophet, priest, and king. Then you don't even know how to get saved. At all. So, he says, again, he says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So, the only way that I can love God is because he has recreated me or, or I have been made his son. <laughs> I've got his nature in me. I'm related to him. Do you understand? Nobody who is not born again can love God. Now, yeah, some of y'all look at me with this confusion. That's the reason is because you've never been taught the truth. You've been taught a bunch of, of philosophy and watered down stuff, but I'm in the book tonight. You can't even love God with natural love. You can love each other with natural love. Unsaved. But you cannot love God without being related to God. You have to be related to God. You have to be born again to even be able to love God. Because you cannot lift human love up to the level of loving God. It's impossible. So he says that. Whoso believeth it, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that beget. Who are we talking about? God, the begetter. The one who begot me. Amen? 
the word begotten, born again, okay? The Bible says, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Which means not only do I love God because I'm a son of God, but I also have the characteristics of loving you. Because you love God and you're in a right relationship with God, then I love you because you're in that relation. You're in the family. Okay? So then the characteristics, I understand that Jesus is the Christ. I understand that he's God come in the flesh. I understand that he is the Spirit. I understand that the only way to love God is to be born again and have the Spirit of God in me. And then a characteristics of that is loving you. That's what that word says, okay? <clears throat> Hallelujah. He goes on, he says this. All right. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. How do I know for sure that I have the love of God in me? The love of God that loves God and enables me to love you. How do I know I've got that kind of love for sure operating in me? I keep his commandments. It's not like I walk up and say, hey, I love you. No, the proof that I love God and I love his people is that I obey God's word. If I'm not obeying God's word, keeping his commandments, then I am not walking in love. Most people today preach love like, well, we just love each other and we just lay down our doctrines and our truth and let's just all come together and love each other. You are not walking in the love of God without obeying the Word of God. So the way I know for sure if I'm saved is if I've got this desire to obey God's commandments. Because of my relationship with him. If I don't have a relationship with him, I could care less about keeping his commandments. But because he's in me, okay, and his love is in me, then it drives me to want to obey him. Because I love God. That's why I obey him. Not just because of what he's going to do for me or how he's going to keep me out of hell. The reason why I obey him and keep his commandments is because I love the Lord. End of story. And the proof that I love the Lord is not saying I love you, Jesus. The proof that I love the Lord is I keep his commandments. And that's how you know if you've got God's love working in you. It's not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Everybody that you talk to, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, really? The Bible definition of a Christian? Mm -hmm. If you love him, the proof that that kind of love is operating in you, you're obedient to him. You keep his commandments. Isn't that what the Word of God says? Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So the proof I love God and I love you is by obeying him and keeping his commandments. That's what proves that love. 
it's not me, you know, uh, going over there and, you know, rubbing you on the back, say, I love you, you precious little thing. I mean, you know, I wouldn't tell you the truth for, for anything because it might hurt your feelings. See, I, I told you a long time ago, most people walk in human level, human love, uh, in a sentimentality that's not biblical. Okay, so you got it. So anybody that comes, you say, I love Jesus. Okay? Are they obeying Him? Are they keeping His commandments? Amen? Then that's proof that they love God. Do they got a, a, a fire for His Word? A zeal for truth? Not only to hear it, but to obey it. Not only to hear it, but to do it. It says, keep His commandments. It doesn't, say, it doesn't mean just one time, way back there in your life, at one point, you kept His Word. It's an on, the word keep means it's an ongoing obedience. It's an ongoing obedience. So I got saved, you know, about 23, 24 years ago. But am I still saved? And will I be saved? That's the question. Just because you got saved 20 years ago don't mean you're saved today. And, and the assurance and the proof that you're saved today is you're still walking in obedience to His commandments, to His Word. And that's proof that you love God and you love each other. Okay, you got it? Woo! Shalababataha. Now watch. Hello. So we found out two things. Or really, okay, more than that. But whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, right? And that one that loveth him that beget, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Okay? So we know who Jesus is and we know who the Christians are now. And you can take this word right here and you can walk through life and say, yeah, that's a Christian and that's not a Christian. Because it is a no-so-salvation. It's demonstrated, all right? Okay, now watch this. He says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. When you have a right relationship with the Lord... His word does not cause you to go, boy, I just, that's, it's hard to live the Christian life. The Bible says His commandments are not grievous. If you've got a right relationship with the Lord, you enjoy living for Him. And if you come up short in a certain area of the word, it grieves you that you're not where you are you don't walk around with some badge on your little shirt that says I sinned a little bit today and everybody's got to sin a little bit you don't know God you got that kind of attitude because when you really know him when you come short of his glory it grieves you it drives you to repentance but when you know you're walking in obedience to his word you have joy and you're excited and you've got victory in your life. And you're praying, God, I don't want to be overcome by sin. 
I want to live for you, Lord. I, I want to please you. I want to serve you. And that's coming out of that new nature you've got. Because before, you didn't want to know him. You didn't want to live for him. You didn't want to serve him. It didn't grieve you when you sinned. You enjoyed it. But now it's just the opposite. Now some of y'all are thinking, well, this is not deep enough for me. Well, hello, it's over my head. So, it's major. Okay, now watch. He goes on and he says this. I'm going to read verse 3 again. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are what? Not grievous. Oh my, it's just so hard to live for God. Mm -hmm. Are you with me here? The Bible says, the way of the transgressor is hard. You try to live easy for Jesus, and it'll be hard. But you live hard for Jesus, and it'll be easy. It's the transgressor that his ways are hard. His life is not good, you know. Praise God. He goes on and he says this. For whatsoever is born of God, here we go, next thing, overcometh the world. Doesn't just ever once in a while overcome it. Overcometh, which means all the time. They're not defeated five days out of the week and victorious two days out of the week. They constantly overcome the world, the, the cosmos. The evil system is what he's talking about. All the temptations that come. The sin, the filth, the evil that's in the system. We constantly overcome that. How? By faith. Not just because we love the Lord, but by we exercise our faith. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. I'm going to overcome that evil, that sin, that system that is in opposition to Christ. I, I, I'm not going to walk in the, the old age, but I'm going to walk in the age of the Spirit. I'm going to yield myself to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Some of y'all look at me like, uh, you know, you got a, something going on in you. And a lot of it has to do because you didn't pray before you came in service tonight. And I know that. Now, I, I'm just sorry. I'm talking to you about spiritual things. Uh, you come in here all carnal and all. I'm going to do my job. <laughs> Notice what he says. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. That doesn't mean every once in a while you're not going to, you know, come short and, and overcome. But it's not going to be overcoming you all the time. You're not going to be calling the pastor up every day. Pastor, I just don't know if I'm going to make it, pastor. I'm just struggling so much. If you're born of God, you got... The same spirit that Jesus had. And when Jesus walked in this world, he overcame the system. And if I've got God in me, I'm overcoming the system. The system's not conquering me and taking control of me on a continual basis. I'm continually conquering it. 
So I'm going to ask you the question tonight. Do you really know him? Do I really know him? Or are we a bunch of just professors walking around? Now, I don't, I'm not trying, you know, Lord help me. Trying to be sweet and kind. I've got the love of God working in me. At the same time, I've got the fire working in me too. Because <laughs> there is a counterfeit Christian in the world today. False prophets, false teachers, false doctrine. And the Bible says we are to overcome them. That means we have to fight them. You just can't lay down. You got to get something in you that says, no, that's not right. Got to get some backbone behind you, you know. Got to get some strength in you. Instead of walking around and saying, well, I just love everybody, so I'm not going to confront anybody. Bible says overcome them. You've got to confront. You've got to contend for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints, man. It's a battle. It's a struggle. Then say, in fact, just about everywhere I read in the Scripture, some of y'all might wonder why I'm so military, militaristic. I got such a fighting spirit about me. I guess it's because just about everything I read in the Bible has some conflict with it. Some battle, some struggle, something that has to overcome. Amen. And so here we go and the Bible says this. Watch this. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world so we know who he is and we know who true christians are and they walk around overcomers not continually overcome but continually overcoming Woo. now just in case you're a true christian and you're not walking this continual overcoming life I'm trying to tell you that you should be. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you that you've got the potential for it. But the only way you can know what's real and what's not is if somebody stand up and tell you the Word of God, tell you what the truth is, okay? And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So it's not just my love that overcomes the world. It's my faith that overcomes the world. <coughs> so that means to overcome means there's something you got to overcome that means there's struggle involved there's a fight involved there, it's not this Laodicea lukewarm lay down passive stuff that the church world has moved into now watch are y'all with me still well, verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So when you get a real understanding, a revelation of who Jesus is, that he's God come in the flesh, you're going to love God like you're supposed to love God, love each other like you're supposed to love each other, overcome the world by your faith, praise God. He goes on and says this, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a continual believing. Son of God. Say, Son of God. God manifest in the flesh. 
Are you understanding? Now watch this. This is he. This is powerful. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now, here's what I want to show you. Let's, let's deal with Jesus in his nature, okay? For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Did you get it? So who is Jesus? This scripture teaches us that there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. They bear record in heaven. Three major manifestations of God. But God is not limited to three. Are you with me? Notice what it says. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit bear record in heaven. It doesn't even say the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. There's some people who try to teach that there's three separate persons with that scripture. But it don't even say Father, Son, Spirit. It says Father, Word, Spirit. And when you say Father, Word, Spirit, you're always talking about His deity. His Godness. And so what we have here, the Word is showing you His roles of activity. Not three separate persons, but the Father, the Word, and the Spirit are all the one God. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit is one being. Not three beings, one being. There's only one God, and He's trying to show you they bear record three the Father, Word, and Spirit bear record in heaven. What God is saying is, this is the way I operate. Are you here? This way I manifest myself. Are you awake? Hallelujah. In fact, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was what? God. So what God is saying is, this is the way I operate. Father, Word, Spirit. I'm still one being. But this is the methods and roles. Major, the major ones that I operate in. Now, you know, for all, all these people who want to get caught up in that Jesus is, that God is three persons. They're so squirrely. But let me share this with you. A lot of times we are. Because we fail to understand that God cannot be limited to three. God cannot be limited to three roles or manifestations or, or attributes or activities. He's not only Father, Word, Spirit, but He's Bridegroom. 
branch. Lord. You hearing me? Bread of life. He is manifest in infinite rows. Not just three. Three are the, the major roles that he operates in, Father, Word, and Spirit. But friend, he's not limited to just that. He's healer. He's peace. He's deliverer. He's the branch. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The light of the world, the bread of life, the door, good shepherd. He is manifesting infinite roles. So in a sense for us, even as one God people, to try to limit him to three manifestations, we have missed it. Because really, really God, you know, he's really not linked to threeness in his nature or limited to threeness in his nature. Father, Spirit, Word, that's just the major ones. Not all of them. Woo! God. Do you understand? And so what, what we try to do, though, is, is, is oneness people, we try to explain who Jesus is or who God is. And we say, well, and, and it, it's a fair explanation, but we say he's, and I've said it, he's father in creation, okay, son in redemption, and Holy Ghost in regeneration. But watch this. Father in creation, the Bible says, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. So that one being God moved as a spirit upon the face of the earth. You read Colossians 1, it says that God created this whole universe by the Son. So the Father's not just the one, you know, it's not just Father in creation. It's Son in creation. It's Holy Ghost in creation. Now what I'm trying to show you here is this. Does that mean that the Son pre-existed with the Father before He was born? When I say that the Son created the heavens and the earth? No. What it means is this, that God, based on His plan for the Son, created everything for and by. Are you with me? That purpose. It doesn't mean that the son pre-existed with the father as a separate person. But I'm trying to show you that the son was there in creation. In the sense that God had a plan. He created everything with the son in mind. And the spirit was there in creation. Moving upon the face of the deep. And the father created the heavens and the earth. Or God created the heavens and the earth. What I'm trying to show you is there was one being who operated in different ways at different times. And you can't limit the Father to creation only because the Son was seen, you know, there in, in the sense that I just explained the purpose of creation. And the Holy Ghost was there 
because he was involved and moved upon the face of the deep. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, it's one being who's operating in different modes. Now, okay, so we say the son in regeneration. Does that mean that Jesus is the only one that's involved in the regeneration, our rebirth? No. I can't even be called a son of God if the father's not involved in my regeneration. So what I'm trying to help you understand as great oneness people, <laughs> you know, you don't believe in three separate persons, and that's great, and that's wonderful. But what I'm trying to also help you understand is that you can't limit this one being to three roles or manifestations or attributes. He's infinite in his methods and his manifestations. Do you see what I'm saying here? Give God some praise. And it says that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And these three are one being. Now, I added the being there because <laughs> to let you know it's numerical oneness he's talking about. It doesn't say these three agree as one. Because if you say they just agree as one, then there's no numerical, there's no number. Then you can have an, a bunch of gods sitting around agreeing together. If they're just simply agreeing as one, well, let's just take the three. If they're agree, agreeing as one, you got three gods up there just, yeah, I agree with you, Father. I agree with you, Son. I agree with you, Holy Ghost. It doesn't say they agree as one it says they are one so it's a numerical oneness one being Woo. that the bible clearly tells us today not three separate persons one god manifesting himself okay so he comes in this world as the son of god god comes in this world he adds himself another nature called humanity and he walks this earth the Spirit of God inside of a man, inside of a body. Amen? And so what you have is a man named Jesus who is God and man at the same time. And when you just say Son, you're talking about His humanity. When you say Father, you're talking about His deity. When you say Word, you're talking about Jesus' deity. When you say Spirit, you're talking about Jesus' deity. But when you say Son, you're talking about His humanity. When you say Lamb, you're talking about His humanity. Are you with me here? But it's still one being. One being. <clears throat> and so go back to verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is deity. That he is God come in the flesh. Nobody, look around you. Nobody overcomes the world system without knowing who Jesus is. And without a relationship with him, without being born again and related to him, nobody overcomes the world. They can't. And they don't even want to. Are you getting the point? Let's go over to John then. Let's talk about the Word just a little bit, okay? 
<coughs> John 1. Remember, this is 1 John, the same guy wrote the gospel, gospel of John. John chapter 1. Turn there. Aren't you glad you know who he is? All right. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It doesn't say the Word was a separate person. The Bible says the Word was with God and the Word was God. Because you can't separate a man's Word from himself. Right? You understand that. You can't separate me from my Word. Where my words, there's my Word over there. And here I am. Okay? My Word's with me. Come on over here, Word. No, my Word's with me because you can't separate my Word from myself. Okay? You understand? And the Bible says, and the Word was God. Okay? And then verse 14. And the Word, or God, deity, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word became flesh, or God became flesh, right? You understand that? So we're not talking about separate persons here. We're talking about one God. Okay. Amen. And by inheritance he received his name, which means God, Savior. And he is the Christ. He's the Word. He's the Deity. He's the God. He's the Spirit. He's not just anointed. He is it. Now, the Bible says also he is the love. He is love. And I am not love. I loveth, but I'm not love. He is love. Infinite love. He is love. Do you understand the difference between saying uh, I love and saying I am love? When Jesus walked this up, he says, I am love. I am light. He don't just have it. He is it, man. So he's not just anointed. He is that Christ. Not just a Christ, but that Christ, the Son of God. Okay, are you hearing this now? Okay, let me, let me get my scriptures here. Okay, verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. God's life is in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. <laughs> you can't separate them and say, I've got the Son, but the Father's over there in heaven somewhere. If you have the Son, then you have the Father. If you have the Father, then you have the Son in you. And it's not pe two people living inside of me. It's the one God Spirit that's living inside of me. Okay? You got it. Okay. Praise the Lord. This is, this is good. Help me, Jesus. Are y'all getting this? I'm glad I know who he is. 
See, according to the Word of God, it's essential. Let me read it. Go, go to verse 7 again. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Amen? Think about it in there. Now I'm fixing to tell you something that's going to make you go, huh. They were able to only find one text with that scripture in it. The Roman Catholic Church wanted that scripture placed in the text of our Bible. And a translator said, if you can find one text with that verse in it, I'll put it in the scripture. And so the Roman Catholics found one text with that scripture in it, and it ended up in our New Testament. They wanted it in there because they wanted to try to prove three separate persons. <laughs> but you see, God is so awesome that he preserves his word in such a way that he says these three are one. It doesn't say these three agree in one. He says these three are one. So what I just have simply done is taken the rest of the word of God and explained that scripture. So whether or not you believe it needs to be there or not makes no difference. It still teaches the truth. I, I told you that because some of you theologians are going to go, I wonder if pastor even knows that that scripture is really not supposed to be in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I don't know that it's not supposed to be there. It may be supposed to be there. Doesn't bother me a bit because it does not contradict the rest of the scripture concerning Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah, man. Now, why is this important? Because in the days of Jesus, the false teachers known as the Gnostics were walking around saying that Jesus did not get the spirit called the Christ until he got baptized and just before he died the spirit of the Christ left him okay or we will say the spirit of God all right now here's what I got to tell you is that Jesus was God before his baptism and God didn't leave him when he went to the cross but that's what they were teaching in those days Okay, y'all ready? Which leads me to the verse uh, above that. This is he that came by water and blood. Oh, wow. Now, this is heavy, but I love it. Make you go crazy trying to understand it. Seriously. Because there's nothing... In that verse that explains that verse to me. It just says he came by what? Water and blood. Even Jesus Christ. Not by water only. But by water and blood. And it is the spirit that bears witness. Because the spirit is true. What in the, That verse does not explain. What it means. That's why it's difficult. 
Okay? So you got to go to the rest of the Bible, and you got to find out what it means. Okay? Now, here we go. Let's look at it, verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Say, the Spirit beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now, what in the world is this talking about? Because we ultimately don't really know what's in the head of John. We do know that around him was the false doctrine that said that Jesus, you know, he really wasn't a man. He couldn't have been a physical man because uh, he would have been automatically evil. So he was like a, 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 a ghost of some kind, walking around a phantom with no real human body. Okay? Oh, you understand what I'm saying? And they believe that Jesus, again, at, at, at his baptism, that's when he got the Spirit of God. And then just before the cross, the Spirit of God left him. Are you with me? That's not what I know about the teaching that was around them. So then John says this, that Jesus came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and blood. Are you with me? The Spirit beareth witness it. The Spirit of truth lets us know that. So what are we trying to understand here then? Okay. Number one, and I'm, I'm just going to give you about three possibilities, and I believe they're all right. Now, I'm not telling you that all of these were in his mind, but I'm going to tell you three things about that passage that are correct. When it says he came through water and blood, or by water and blood, what does that mean? First and foremost, he was physically born. He came out of the womb of a woman and was physically born. He was a man. God come in the flesh, yes, but a man who was born of a woman was inside. What is the ambiotic fluid? Say it again. Say it again. The word, say it again, A-M. The word amnios is in the Bible. Amnios is in the Bible. And it means a sacrificial lamb. So when Jesus came, he came by water or through water. He was incarnate. God came in the flesh in the womb of Mary. And when he was in the womb of Mary, covered in that water, he was going to be the Anios, the sacrificial lamb. So we see his incarnation taught there, along with his reason for his incarnation, and that is the blood that he would shed for us. Now the word water here is not that... Uh, Ambios, but it is connected to a sacrificial lamb is my point. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? So what I believe John is saying is this. He came by water. He was physically born. He was a man. And by the way, the reason why he came, according to other scriptures, is so that he could be a sacrificial lamb and shed his blood for us. Woo! Are y'all okay? 
so. Now one, I looked up one translation and it literally says this, that when he was born, God's awesome. It was the birth of life. And when he died, he, it was death to death. So you've got his, his birth here, water, and you've got his death here, the blood. You with me here? You've got who he was, his incarnation. God come in the flesh, and the reason why he came was to shed his blood for us. So listen, listen. He was God at his conception. He was God at the cross. He's still God today. Now, number two, he came by water and blood. And the Spirit bears witness to him, right? All right, watch. You need this. He came through water or by water can also be pointing to the time when Jesus was water baptized in the river Jordan. At that time, the Spirit of God descended like a dove and set upon him and testified, witnessed, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He didn't get the Spirit of God when the, the dove came down. The Spirit of God was already inside of him. So that not only did he have a beginning concerning his birth, but his baptism is the birthday of his ministry. It's when his ministry started. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay? He came by water. All right? And because he came by water and the Spirit testified that he was inside of him, witnessed that he was inside of the Son, that is proof that Jesus was the Christ. And not only that, but he came through blood or by blood. Say through blood, literally. That means he went to the cross, and the cross proves his deity, according to John chapter 8. He said, when I'm lifted up, then you shall know that I am he. So his baptism proved who God said he was. His cross, his crucifixion, proved who God said he was. Yeah, give God praise. <clears throat> the Spirit testified that what God said of Jesus was true. His works testified that He was God. His words testified that He was God. His baptism testified that He was God come in the flesh. His crucifixion testified that He was God come in the flesh. Do you believe that? Do you believe he was the virgin-born Son of God, God come in flesh? Do you believe his ministry was birthed at the River Jordan, 
when the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Do you believe that when he was lifted up on the cross according to John chapter 8, he said, then you shall know that I am he. Are you getting the point? Now, now, how, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to me? Okay. Okay, well, let's look again. Let's go to, let me look, give you number, number three, number three, John 19. I'm feeling pretty good. Hallelujah. This is heavy stuff, but I'm going to bring it to you anyway. Because it's the Word of God. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm doing a good job, but I'm trying. Okay. Now, John 19, look at this. <coughs> John 19, it says this in verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. When the blood and the water came out of the side of the Son of God, his bride came out of his side. His girl came out. His woman came out. His church came out of his side. So he comes to us now, the way he comes to us, oh yeah, is the way he came then. The way he comes to us now is the way he came to, uh, to them then. And that's through water and blood. So now watch this. He was water baptized. When you're water baptized, he comes to you. When you get the blood applied through the name of Jesus, he comes to you. All right? You understand it. Now watch this. Okay. John 19, 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out their blood, their out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record. It did what? <clears throat> he bear record. He testified. He witnessed. And his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true that you might believe. Are you understanding? So Jesus came. God came in the flesh. He was born of the woman. Are you with me? <laughs> He's the Son of God. The Bible said the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Anytime the Holy Ghost comes upon flesh, you call it a Son of God. He said that thing which, <laughs> that holy thing that shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. So anytime the Spirit of God comes on somebody, they, are you hearing what I'm saying? When, you, when, when the Spirit is upon flesh, you call that flesh Son of God. All right, now hang in here, hang in here. Woo, we're going somewhere. We're finding out what Je who Jesus was and what he did for us in order for us to be saved. As prophet, he revealed salvation. As priest, he performed the work. As king, he confers it to us. Do you understand? All right. He's God. When he was born of the Virgin Mary, he was God come in the flesh. At his baptism, there was a testimony. This is the Son of God. Are you with me? This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. John 8. When he's lifted up on the cross, then you should know. I am He. So we have His work of redemption as prophet revealing salvation, as priest performing the work, and as king conferring it. He's the Christ. Do you understand? Now why is that important for us?
because we found out what it took in order for us to be sons of God. And if you're a true son of God, then you believe that he's God come in the flesh, and you believe that he was proven to be who he said he was at his baptism and at his crucifixion. Are you understanding? All right, now watch. Watch this. Y'all don't have a problem with that, do you? <clears throat> okay. Well, let's keep on going. Hallelujah. We, we're getting into some good stuff. <clears throat> I feel an unction here. God helping me. <coughs> watch. Here we go. Okay, you ready? So, verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. We talked about that. Are you with me? If we receive the witness of men... The witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. So the Bible says, you have the witness inside of you. Of what? Water, blood, and spirit. With me? Okay. Okay, let's go over here. See, he's not the only son of God. He's the only begotten son of God. But I'm looking at some sons of God here. And we're trying to find out for sure that we're saved and how we get saved. Let's go to John 3. Okay. See, I've got the witness of God in me. Now, what is that witness of God that's in me and you? That I can be sure of my salvation. Watch this. It's the witness. I've got the witness in me. I've got the what? The water. The blood. And the spirit. Okay. Watch. <clears throat> John 3. <coughs> Verse 3. Are y'all getting bored? <laughs> Jesus. Now Nicodemus comes to him, right? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Say born again. So what we have to understand now is that just as Jesus was physically born into this world, was water baptized and shed his blood at the cross, we have that same witness inside of us. Okay? That because your physical birth is a type of your second birth. Are you hearing me? You cannot get into this world without being born into this world. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about your physical body. The way you got here is your mama gave birth to you. If you had not been born here, you would not be here. The only way to get into this world is by birth. The only way to get into the kingdom of God is by a second birth. So that the first birth is a type of the second birth. Now I'm going to try to teach you how you can know for sure that you're in his kingdom tonight. Using the witness of the water, the blood, and the spirit. I, 
because Jesus looked at me and he said, you must be born again. Again? Oh, okay. Uh, that means a second time. Okay. Let's see what he says. <clears throat> he goes on and he says this. Uh, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He says, oh, I understand that there has to be a second birth in order for me to enter into the new world. I had to be born physically to get here. And I've got to be born spiritually to get there. Okay, you with me? Say born again. Jesus said you must be born again. He doesn't say except Jesus as your Savior. He said you must be born again. Now we're getting into some heavy stuff, all right? Now watch this. Beautiful stuff. <clears throat> Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and spirit. Ooh, we got, the two, we got two elements right there. What about the blood? Okay. He said, except you're born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Right? Okay, here's what it says, water and spirit. If you're not born again of the water and spirit, you can't enter in the kingdom of God. You can't enter into that world. Do you understand? Okay, here we go. Praise God. Some people say that Jesus was talking about when he says the water and the spirit that the water he's talking about is physical birth. Okay? Some people say, according to Ephesians 5, that it's the washing of the water by the Word. Okay? And then some say that it's baptism. Okay? Which is correct. Which is correct. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit, is he saying, Nicodemus, you've got to be born of the flesh and then be born of the Spirit? Or is he saying, Nicodemus, you've got to be born of the water, the Word? Or is he telling you that you've got to be water baptized and Spirit baptized? You must have the witness of God inside of you. And the witness of God is what? Water, blood, and spirit. I can know I'm saved tonight if I've got the water, the blood, and the spirit. Hello. Now let's talk about it. Are you okay? God gave me a revelation about something one time. Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit, or you cannot enter in the kingdom of God. And some people like to divide it. Say, well, the water's the natural and the Spirit's the spiritual. But the Lord spoke to me and He said this. He said that when you are born naturally, you are in that water of the womb of the woman, and you come forth. But also, you have a Spirit when you're born naturally. 
You have a human spirit when you're born naturally and you have water when you're born naturally and when you come out of the womb, it's water mingled with blood when you come out. Are you with me? So to say that Jesus was saying, well, the water is the flesh and the spirit is a spiritual birth, you've missed the whole point. Because when you get to 1 John 5, then John, the same one who wrote John 3, makes a distinction between water and spirit. That they are separate. They're not the same. That the water does not mean the spirit there. It means water. Just like you've got literal blood and a literal spirit, you've got literal water that you go down into. And so what happens is Jesus is not talking about natural birth here. You must be born again of the water and the spirit. He's talking about water and spirit is a part of the birth of God. To have the witness of God. And some people say, well, the water means the spirit. No. John says, the water, the blood, and the spirit. So he makes a distinction. So there is a baptism of water, and there is, a, there is a birth of water, and there is a birth of the Spirit. The birth of water gets rid of the old man. The birth of the water gets rid of the sin. You can't have the new birth if you're still walking in the old birth. So God says, here's the way I deal with the old birth, is I, you get water baptized in my, my name, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins. The old man dies. You bury the old man. You rise to walk in newness of life. So the water is a part of your birth because the water gets rid of the old and the Spirit brings in the new. You can't have the new without getting rid of the old. And 1 John says that the Spirit, the water, and the blood are all involved in your being born into the kingdom. Not just natural birth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Give God some praise. <coughs> okay. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, verse 38. Are y'all getting the point? Now what Jesus wants you to see is this. That the natural birth is one birth. And the spiritual birth is another birth or a second birth. The natural birth is a top of the spiritual birth. So that everything that happens in a natural birth is also happening in a spiritual birth. To get here, you had to be born. And to get there, you have to be born. And it's the same thing. I'm going to prove it to you by the Word of God. I'm going to show you that you've got the witness inside of you. And you can know for sure that you're saved. Without one doubt in your mind. Are you hearing me tonight? Now, Acts 2.38, watch this. Acts 2.38, it says this, premier passage. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we have the removal of the old man and the bringing in of the new man. 
We're taken out of the old world by baptism and we're put into the new world by the Spirit. Now you cannot enter into the kingdom of God without being born into it. Just like you cannot enter into this world without being born into it. Hello, somebody. Now, if you go back to the first man that was ever born here. His name was Abel. Adam was made by God, and Adam was a son of God. God made his body out of the dust of the ground, breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. He took the woman out of the side of Adam, blood and water, Jesus, while he was asleep. While Adam was asleep, he opened up his side and took the woman out. While Jesus was asleep, the last Adam, he opened up his side and took the woman out. Now, here's my point. Okay, without getting into all of that right now. Whenever God made Adam and Eve, they weren't born. Which means I doubt either one of them had a belly button. Woo. Don't run and shout over that one. But I doubt if they had an umbilical cord. Because they were not born. They were created by God and taken out of the side of man, the woman. Now here, watch this. So Abel is the first one that's born here. Give God some praise. Say born. And Abel could not get here without being born. It's impossible. So here we go then, in order for you to have a physical birth, the Bible says this, Adam knew his wife Eve, knew knowledge. So what happens to you when you come in the house of God, just like physical birth, there is a knowing which produces a conception. When you come in the house of God, you hear the Word of God, and when you hear the Word of God, the Word of God is what causes you to be conceived. You are begotten by the Word. The, the nature, the sperma, the seed of God is His Word. So when you come in here and His seed goes forth, then you are conceived but not born. So when it says you're begotten by the Word, it doesn't mean that's when you're born. It's when you're conceived. Because Adam, in order for there to be a physical birth, Adam had to know his wife, Eve. You have to get knowledge. So you hear the Word, First Peter. First Peter says we're begotten by the Word. And it's not the corruptible Word, not corruptible seed, but incorruptible, supernatural seed of God. Do you understand? Okay. And you have to follow the same steps in spiritual birth as you do with natural birth. There has to be a knowing. A knowing. You have to hear the word. When you hear the word, conception takes place. But you must be fertile ground in order for there to be a conception. 
because you can hear the word of God all night and all day and hear it for 10, 15, 20 years. But if you're not fertile ground, there will never be a conception. So there has to be a knowing, there has to be a conception that takes place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now when conception takes place, then the seed begins to grow. So there's a time where you are knowing, you are hearing the word of God. The seed has been planted in you. You have been conceived, but you're not yet born yet. And you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. And then all of a sudden, when it's about time for there to be a birth, then there's travail and pain. Now what I mean by that is this, is that when you hear the word go forth, conception starts taking place. You start getting a knowledge, and then all of a sudden that seed grows, grows, that word grows, grows inside of you, and very painfully, and with great travail, you move out from your pew, you walk to the front of the church, you fall down on an altar. And just like there's great pain and travail in physical birth, there's great pain and travail in spiritual birth. Because what you're understanding is, I have an altar to go to, which means my old nature has to die. And it's painful. It's painful to say no to the old nature. There's no animal in this world. There's no creature in this world that can get rid of its old nature and get a new nature with the exception of one, and that's humanity. Humanity is the only one that can have a removal of the old nature and the bringing in of a new nature, but it's very painful. In fact, it's death. So that's why when I'm preaching, most of the time, I don't, when, I, when there's an altar, when God's drawing people to the altar, most people don't do this. I'm going to get back here where everybody can see me. Because we're in, we're in travail and, and uh, pain time. And so, then I'll go. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. No, 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 no. You know how they do it? Oh, I've heard the word. Conception has taken place. I know what I'm supposed to do. But you know what? I understand that I've got an old nature in me that has to die. I know that I've got to go to an altar and lay down my life on that altar. So there's pain and there's struggle and there's battle. And sometimes you even hate the husband that's delivering the, the word. You hate, you don't like it. You feel awkward. You feel like you're intimidated. You feel like you've been interfered with. Because nobody likes to die and lay their life on an altar. But before the birth can take place, there has to be that pain and there has to be that travail where you're willing to lay down your, your life to get his. Are you understand what I'm saying? 
Give God a hand clap of praise. <coughs> now, so now it's time for the birthing. The conception wasn't the birth. The growing of the, the seed in there wasn't the birth. And the travail and the pain wasn't the birth. That's what precedes the birth. And not only that, but there is before birthing, there is breaking of water. So, whenever you are water baptized in Jesus' name, that's when you're breaking the water. <coughs> are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? <coughs> you're breaking the water. All right? You know that. You ladies who have kids before, the water breaks before you have birth. And then all of a sudden, when the water breaks forth, I guarantee you that in the water, there's also some blood. So that when you break the water and you're water baptized, I see water, but where's the blood? Because there has to be water mingled with blood according to the scripture. Well, the blood is in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. <laughs> Revelation 1 says, He washed us in His blood. <laughs> so there is a water mingled with blood, just like natural birth, you have it here. So Acts 5.28 says, The blood is in the name. So when we call the name of Jesus over you, we are literally mingling the blood with the water right here. And you come out of that breaking forth of water. You come out. The water, the blood goes forth. You come up. You're, okay, are you here? So you're born. Then when you're born, what happens in the natural? When you're born, you take a breath. So I got the water, and I got the blood in the name of Jesus. I got the water mingled with the blood. I've got the breaking of the water. Are you with me now? And when I come forth, I take a breath. The Spirit. Now the Bible says, in 48 times it's translated in our King James Version, Holy Ghost. But the Greek should be the breath of God. So when you take a breath in physical birth, are you with me right now? It's a type of being spiritually born. You get the breath of God inside of you. But the translators translated it not the breath of God or the Spirit of God. They translated it Holy Ghost because they understood that the ghost they were talking about is the spirit of somebody who had been here before. It's the same one. Jesus said, I'm with you, but I shall be in you. So the, the, the Spirit of God that you got is the same Spirit that walked the earth, was born of a woman, water baptized, and then crucified on a cross and shed his blood and that same spirit that was in Jesus now is inside of you see they don't want you to miss it it's a particular spirit it's a Holy Ghost it's a spirit that's been here before who's come back 
And so you, you get the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Abel was the first one born. Go to Hebrews 11. I want to show you something. Hebrews 11 says something very powerful about, hallelujah, Abel. Hebrews 11, it says this. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Now, here's what I want, I want you to see. If the name of the sacrifice is not called over you, then all you did was take a bath. Because the blood is in the name of Jesus, according to Acts 5, 28. So if all you have here is water and no blood, then all you did was take a bath. But when you're water baptized in the name of Jesus, then you have blood mingled with water. Now watch. Because you have the name of the sacrifice called over you. The one who shed his blood on the cross is called over you. And so the blood he shed on the cross is applied to your life right there in the name of Jesus and water baptism. Now before I read this on Abel, i got to share this with you. The blood of Jesus is applied, are you with me? From the time you hear the word all the way to the time of his coming. It is not just applied in water baptism in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is applied there for remission of sins. But when you come in here, the Bible says to anoint the priest with blood behind the ear, on his big toe, and on his big thumb. Three places. Three places. Blood, water, spirit. Three places. Watch this. Anointing behind the ear, anointing behind the thumb, on the thumb, and on the big toe. So what the Lord is saying is this. In order for you to even hear the word of Jesus, of God, the blood has to be at work then. Blood has to be at work in conception. Blood comes from the father's side, not the mother's side. So the father's here, and you hear the word through the blood. That's the only way that you can even respond to the word, is because there's blood operating even before you're baptized in Jesus' name. So you hear the word through the blood. It enables you to respond to the Lord and act in obedience. And you repent by the blood. You could never repent of your sins if the blood wasn't operating right there in that moment. You die there. You become a sacrifice. You lay down your life. The blood's working there. The blood's working out there. The blood's working here. And then you're water baptized in Jesus' name. That enables the sin to be remitted. You get the Holy Ghost, the breath of God, by the blood. And then you live a holy life by the blood. So that from the time you hear the word all the way to the coming of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is being applied to your life. Now watch what it says about Abel. Watch. Watch. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained. He did what? By which he obtained 
witness that he was righteous. God testifying. God witnessing of his gifts. And by it he being dead yet speaketh. How did God testify that Abel's sacrifice was accepted the first man who was ever born here? How did God witness and testify that his sacrifice was accepted? Because God sent fire in the Old Testament. And when the fire came, it told everybody that the sacrifice had been accepted. And in case you don't know it, Acts chapter 2, the Bible said, verses 1 through 4, it said, when the Spirit of God fell on them, they received the breath of God in them. The Bible says, cloven tongues as a fire set upon each of them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when I got the Holy Ghost, God witnessed I belong to Him. God testified. I put my fire in Him. God testified. Now watch this. Watch this. What did it say again? The fire came. The Spirit came. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift. And by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So the sign that a baby physically has been born. It comes out and it breathes. You with me? But what lets everybody know, what testifies to everybody, what witnesses to everybody is he yet speaketh. So they heard them speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. So when you got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, you got the witness of God inside of you. It's a no-so salvation tonight. I know I'm saved. Give God some praise. <coughs> I've got the sign. I've got the proof. And isn't it funny? That oftentimes when we are praying with people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That we say that the evidence. The witness. The proof. They've got the spirit. Is that they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So I'm telling you now. That there's a lot of people out there in the church world, they've been conceived and think they're born. But conception is not birthing. But I'm looking at some people who have full new birth, salvation. You are a child of the King and you know who He is. And just like Jesus had the witness and the testimony of the blood, the water, and the Spirit. You have the water, the blood, 
and the Spirit. The water baptism, blood's in the name. Blood and water mingled together and you got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said you have the witness inside of you. So you can know tonight you're a child of the King. And when the enemy tries to come and tell you that you're not, I know I'm a child of the King. Amen. <clears throat> so it says if we, we're really children of God, then we have the witness of God in us. And the witness of God is greater than the witness of men. I don't care what man says. I'd rather have God tell me. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Now go back to 1 John 5. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. In one what? Now these three agree in one purpose of salvation. You've got to have the blood, you've got to have the water, and you've got to have the Spirit in order to be a true child of God. That's what the Word says, my friend. And I've got the witness of God inside of me because I speak in tongues. and I've got the fire of the Spirit inside of me. I haven't gone and walked to the front and repented of my sin. And thought that that was birth. I didn't go to church and hear the word of God and feel goosebumps and said, I'm saved. Because I accepted Jesus. I have the witness of God inside of me tonight. That just what Jesus ex went through, I have experienced. He gave it to me. And they agree, agree in one purpose. And that purpose is salvation. I'm glad I know the truth. I'm glad I've got the witness of God inside of me. Now let's look at it again. So Nicodemus, you must be born again. Oh, does that mean I need to enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born? No, but you got a good, you know concept of what I'm trying to tell you. Just like you had to be born to get here, you got to be born to get in a spiritual kingdom. And it's the same process. And I preach to some and they're conceived. And in the same hour, the seed's going. And in the same hour, they're going. The seed's kicking. <laughs> In the same hour, they're gritting their teeth. They're screaming. They're mad as, you know what, at me. <laughs> and God and the church and everybody else. But if they can somehow just say, okay, I'm going to that altar. I'm going to die right now. I'm laying down my life right now. Then they can be born. Now, let's talk about it some more. 
The three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. You got the blood, the water, and the Spirit. If you don't have that, then are you a legitimate child of God? Or have you been born into the world to come? I'll tell you right now, no. Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. So I've got that witness in myself. Well, let me just give you a few other Old Testament types, okay? Are y'all ready to go home? I know y'all are doing real good with your kids, by the way. Water mingled with blood. Jesus hanging on the cross. Out of his side comes forth water and blood. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, Who shall declare his generation? He didn't have any physical children while he was here. Who shall declare his generation? Those who have been born spiritually, who have the blood of their father inside of them, who have the nature of their daddy inside of them. Yeah, man, I've been regenerated. Don't tell me I've got to get sick like mama got sick. Don't tell me I've got to get sick like daddy got sick. Because it's in the genes. I have been regenerated. And if you look at Eve, it doesn't say anything about her blood. Because the blood comes from daddy. Flesh of his flesh, bone of his bones. But it doesn't say blood of his blood. Because the blood comes from the father, not the woman. So the blood of Jesus, he came by water and blood. The blood of Jesus wasn't just common blood. The blood of Jesus was the blood of God himself. Acts 20, 28 says that he purchased the church with his own blood. It's a very unique, uncommon blood. And that blood is found in the name. And when I got filled with the Spirit of God, it, the blood and the Spirit came in at the same time. I have not, you know, I got still that old natural blood flowing in me, but I've got the new nature of Jesus in me now. I've got the nature of my daddy in me. And not only that, just like Eve took the name of her husband, in Genesis 5, the Bible says, God called their name Adam, so that now when you come in the kingdom of God, you have the name of your husband. It takes three things to get in a family. Marriage, birth, and adoption. And we've been married to him, we've been adopted, and we've been birthed. So he's covered all areas. He didn't miss a thing. And I took the name of the bridegroom in the name of Jesus. Are you doing all right out there? Okay, let me just give you a few other types. 
when Jesus hung on the cross, out comes water and blood. Out of the side of Adam came woman. Out of the side of Jesus came woman. And we got the same nature as Jesus. Because we've got his nature in us. We've been born. Now, when you talk about the principle of blood mingled with water, you're talking about, let me give you some Old Testament types, okay? One type is this. Whenever you study Egypt, whoo, God. When you study Egypt, Egypt's a type of the world and it's a type of sin. The Bible says Jesus had to go to Egypt. Which means he had to be born in the natural world. But then he was taken out of Egypt. I've called my son out of Egypt. When you come out of Egypt, you're coming out of the world. The old man's dying. Are you with me here? But there has to be repentance. There has to be a turning of the back on that Egypt. There has to be a turning of the back on that world. Come on. Praise God. So that I've been physically born here. And I've been spiritually born here. Now watch. They turn their back on Egypt. They repent. They walk away from Egypt. Hello? They come to the Red Sea. Water mingled with blood. And 1 Corinthians says, they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Spirit and water and the water. And I look at that and I say, well, there's the water. But where's the blood? Red Sea. You see, are you with me here? The priest walk up there. He sheds the blood of an innocent animal. He's got blood all over his hands. He walks to the labor water basin. And he washes his hands. The blood's on his hands. And so now there's blood mingled with water. See, I'm telling you. If you're not baptized in Jesus' name, Acts 5, 28, then all you did was take a bath. Because you have to have the witness of the blood and the water and the spirits. And if you've got that, you are a rare species in this earth. And you tell me that you can get in the kingdom of God bypassing Jesus Christ and his, the witness of the Father concerning him and bypass the witness of God in us and still be in the kingdom of God. You can't be in this world without birth, nor can you be in the world to come without birth. It is impossible according to the word of God. So let's close. Amen. John, 1 John 5. Amen. Thank you, God, for helping me tonight. I did. This word, you needed this word. Because <laughs> all these little false prophets and false teachers, 
and all this little false doctrine that flies around all the time, if you believe that after hearing this message, your soul is in very, very serious trouble. Because what you're telling them is they can be born again by just being conceived. No, you've got to have the witness of God in you. I'd rather do it God's way and have His witness than to have the witness of man any day. That's the only way. Now, I'm not putting myself up as God. God's God. He's going to judge people if they can get there some other way. I don't see how, but that's between them and God. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Like I told somebody the other day, they asked me about this John 3 passage. They said, well, what about that person on their deathbed? I said, sir, you'll never make me God. I won't let you make me God. But I'm responsible to preach and teach the word of the living God. And I must tell you what you must do. And I must tell them what they must do. And you're never going to make me God because I'm not big enough to be God. And I don't want to be God. But I've got a responsibility to declare this word. And he, you know, I could tell he was really wanting to win the argument. So I just shared truth with him and didn't, I didn't even want to get in it with him. I just forget it. I ain't got time to mess with you, man. You need, he needs to study. He needs to study. I can tell you this right now. There's Trinitarian theologian, the Tyndall New Testament uh, Bible commentary will tell you that it takes the endowment of the spirit and the cleansing of the water to be saved. And I don't know how much truth they got, but they say that right there in their commentary. F.F. Bruce concerning where it says that uh, we are washed, uh, we are uh, uh, washed by the water of the word. He literally says that the word, their word, does not mean the scripture. It means the confession or the invoking of the name of Jesus and water baptism. So all these so-called smart dudes that think they know so much, they need to get in their own Trinitarian commentaries and see what the, those the theologians are saying. of God water baptism in the Jesus, Jesus name is the only place I know that you're going to find remission or forgiveness of sins both of them is fine both words are fine but it takes both repentance and water baptism to deal with it because repentance breaks down the barrier between you and God and the water baptism removes that barrier. So you've got to get rid of the old man before you can move in the new man. And God shows you how to deal with both of them. First John 5. What time, what time is it? Huh? Oh, right on. Here we go. If we receive the witness of men, verse 9, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. It's not just about the Son, though. He says, he that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. I got it inside of me. I got it inside of me. Some of you got it inside of you. 
Some of you are just not willing to die yet. You're not. You're not willing to die yet. You love your old life too much. That's why it's painful for you to come to church. <laughs> I'm not trying to be arrogant. I don't care what you think. I'm just telling you the truth, man. Nobody likes dying. They just like running. Here we go. Let me smile. <laughs> Is that better? Get happy, okay, get happy, hallelujah, make you love me. <laughs> Watch this. This is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. We have the breath of God. When he said of Adam, he said he made, he made a mud man. Out of the dust of the ground, he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. The word breath there means, it's a plural word which means not just physical life, but Adam got spiritual life. And when he died, he lost spiritual life. And so I've got physical life, but when I get born again a second time, the Lord walks by and goes, and he breathes in me, in my nostrils, the breath of life, so that now I have spiritual life that I did not have before. So watch. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Did you hear what it says? How can you have God in this New Dispensation, New Testament church age? How can you claim to have God and not have Jesus? You are caught up in the age, this present age. I'm telling you the truth. I don't care who you call, I don't care if you're Judaism, I don't care what you are, I don't care if you're Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, it makes no difference. You must have the witness of God inside of you. You've got to come out of the old world into the new. And the only way to do it, according to the Word, is by birth. Hello? Okay. Verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That who? To do what? That believe on the name. What's his name? Hey, 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 hey. People are looking at you, man. I want them looking at me. I know you're han more handsome than I am, but I'm the one preaching tonight. I don't need any competition, man. Don't get mad at me. I'll slap you. I'm walking in the love of God. <laughs> Can you imagine me standing before God on Judgment Day? This is how he's going to clean me up. I am so afraid of what God's going to say to me on that day. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. The way I treat his people. I'll be blessed to even be there. 
I will, I will be blessed to be in heaven. I'm telling you, man. I mean that. I mean that. Watch this. Are y'all ready to finish this book? These things have I written unto you that, you that you that believe on the name of the Son of God. I don't need the name of Jesus. I can take it or leave it. I don't have to be. Oh, is that what the Bible said? No. It says, these things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Can anybody know today that they have eternal life in them? The answer is yes. And it's those who have the witness of the blood, the water, and the Spirit inside of them. They know that Jesus is God come in the flesh. They keep His commandments. They walk in love. They overcome false teachers, Antichrist. They fight them. Oh, yeah. Did I say they keep His commandments? I tell you what you do. If you've got the witness of God inside of you, see if you still have the characteristics of a true believer. Go through that, that book right there and, and see what it says about true believers and see if your life fits that. Because there has to be a proof and an evidence that you got the goods. This is awesome, isn't it? Don't hear too much of this preaching on the radio, do you? <laughs> In fact, today, most preaching you hear today is, once saved, always saved. And their definition of being saved is they went to an altar 50 years ago and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and went out and started living like the devil from that day forward. Now, they're going to be in heaven? I think not. Not And it's not me. It's saying that it's this holy book that's saying that. Because if you really got the nature of God in you, you're going to love living for him. It's what you live for. It's what you think about. It's what drives you. If you don't care nothing about talking to him, having a relationship with him, loving him, keeping his commandments, I doubt whether or not you've got the spirit yet. Now, I'm going to lay this on you real good, okay? How does that, how does that water baptism, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and uh, all speaking in tongues, how does that fit in the Scripture that says, by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Because there is no man that can take away your sin, and you can't take away your own sin. It is a work of God. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, He's the one that's working to remit the sin. He's the one that gets all the credit when your sins are taken away. You don't get credit. I don't get credit for it. He gets the credit. That's why it says, by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Because everything we've preached does not contradict that because He gets all the credit for all of it. 
It's not me working. It's him working. I'm just obeying and submitting to that. Now, having said that, if there is no true repentance and there is no true faith and there is no, are you with me? No true dining, no true faith. I can baptize you 500 times. And you go down a sinner and you come up a sinner. But come here, brother. This brother got the Holy Ghost Sunday night, baptized in Jesus' name. And when he came out of the water, he came out real. So I can tell him right now. I can tell him right now. Based on that, that he has the witness of God in him, the blood, the water, and spirit, that he is right now, a right now saved man. And as long as he walks in obedience to that word, walks in faith, and continues his walk with God, and yielding, yielding his life to the regenerated man that he is, as long as he yields to that regeneration, he'll... He, and he and everybody else in here are going to be in heaven. But if at any time you just say, huh, tired of this, see you. Sorry, sorry. He that overcomes, it's for the overcomer. Praise God. How many say, I give, I surrender? <laughs> you hadn't surrendered yet. I'll just keep preaching, man. It's only 9.30, man. I got all night long. I'll, I'll preach and I'll preach until that seed grows and grows in you till you get so full of pain and travail. <laughs> overnight, man, overnight. Till you run screaming to the altar, I give, I surrender. God have mercy, Lord. God's good. I'm telling you, He's good. Because nobody, God doesn't want anybody in this place to be lost. If you don't have the witness of God in you, you can. What, what the Lord is ultimately saying when He says that He came by water and by blood and the Spirit of truth witness to that, what He's ultimately saying is this, that if Jesus came into this physical world as a physical man, come on, but yet he was the son of God, not just for the earth, but he's the, the Bible says three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Word, and the Spirit. What he's saying to you is this, is that you, if you've been born naturally here, have potential for new birth. God doesn't want to leave anybody out of it. And the only reason why you'll be left out is if you reject this great, great salvation. You reject it. That's the only reason. You'll be left out. Are you, you walked with God for a while and you got reprobate, got cold, got lukewarm, got carnal, and just said, you know what? I'm tired of dying daily. I don't want to be like Paul anymore who said he died daily, who said no to that old man every day, said yes to the regenerated man inside I love y'all God bless you hallelujah I hope I made some of you mad
hope some of you are just in you're just writhing in pain amen just don't know what to do with yourself in fact some of you are scared half to death that's good ought to make you check where you are right now because I'm going to tell you what we, we can't afford to get all carnal, lukewarm, sit in our pew, say, I made it all the way. I'm okay. You're okay kind of stuff. Man, we got to get real with this. We got to get real with Jesus. I walk with God. It's too valuable. It's too serious. And I'm letting you go because my wife's having trouble. And if I don't let you go right now, I'm going to have trouble. And Lord Jesus, bless all of you in the name of God. And we'll see you Sunday if Jesus don't come and take you home. Goodbye and go home and don't hang around here and talk. <laughs> Love you, man. That was awesome.